your Bibles, if you would, to Ephesians chapter 1. Ephesians chapter 1. This morning in Sunday school, we looked at how the believer is kept by the power of God. And, and I had mentioned there that we ought never to let this wondrous salvation that we have in Christ become commonplace to us. And may we ever let it be fresh and, and as we hear the gospel preached and proclaimed, and may it be a wonder to our souls each time we hear it. Because it, it, it truly is wondrous that God would have mercy upon sinners. It's truly wondrous. And let us remember too as we look at the scriptures that, that these scriptures like, like in Ephesians, these are written to saints like you and I. People who are going through life. I think we often forget that, that, that these letters are written to, to people who are suffering and going through the same things that we are while we journey through this world. And these letters were sent by inspiration of the Holy Spirit of God to encourage and to, to build up the saints in Christ Jesus our Lord, to encourage them while they go through trials, and whether they be, again, as I mentioned this morning, physical or mental trials or tribulations. And both can be very hard. And the scriptures bring great comfort to the believer. Great comfort to the believer. Today I'd like to look at how, uh, at some points of how it pleased God to do these things. And, and let us remember who it is who's doing these things. Whom, whom it pleased to do is God Almighty. The sovereign God of the universe who is in control of all things. The Almighty the self-existent one, the eternal one, and there's some things that pleased him to do. And, and I think we, we who are redeemed will, will be greatly blessed by seeing these things. Look at Ephesians chapter 1, verses 1 to 12. Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ, by the will of God, to the saints which are at Ephesus, and to the faithful in Christ Jesus so Paul's writing to, to a group of believers in Ephesus, saints like you and I are, we who are redeemed by the precious blood of Christ, we who are born again by the Holy Spirit of God. He's writing to, to like-minded individuals who, who go through the same things that we go through. And as I say, oftentimes we forget that. But this is who he's writing to, the faithful in Christ Jesus. And we're only faithful because Christ keeps us. It says, Grace be to you and peace from God our Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who hath blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ. And look at that marvelous verse. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who hath blessed us. Well, who's he blessed? He's blessed his people, his elect. Those saints that he's writing, that Paul's writing to. With all spiritual blessings. There's not one left out. Everything we need, all spiritual blessings that we need to stand before God, justification, forgiveness of all our sins, sanctification, is all provided in and through Christ Jesus our Lord. All in Him. All spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ. According as He hath chosen us in Him, so again He's taken us back to before the foundation of the world. He's taken us to eternity, eternity past. According as he has chosen us, and chosen there means to choose, chosen us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before him in love. Having predestinated us into the adoption of children by Jesus Christ to himself, according to the good pleasure of his will. This is what God has done. 
This is what God's done for the believer. This is what God's done for the saints at Ephesus, and if you're a believer, this is what God's done for you. It fills me with awe. This is what God's done. And look at verse 5. Having predestined us unto the adoption of children by Jesus Christ to himself, according to the good pleasure of what? His will. Because it pleased him to do so. It pleased him. To the praise of the glory of his grace, wherein he hath made us accepted in the beloved. Note, he did it. He made us accepted in the beloved. In whom we have redemption, there is the payment price for all our sins through his blood, the forgiveness of sins. How many sins? All of our sins. Every single one. Past, present, and future. It's amazing. And it's all, and, and because when we look at that mountain of sin in our lives, right? Augustus Toplady, who wrote Rock of Ages, he was supposed to be a mathematician of some kind. And he figured out that if we live to, to be 80 years old, we sin like 8 billion times. 8 billion times. If we live to the, the age of 80. I remember telling one grace preacher that, and he says, well, I, I think I doubled that. But it's, it's, it's true, though, isn't it? Because we're all sinners. So 8 billion sins. Just, just put a number on it like that. Can we pay for one of them? No. But Christ paid for them all, didn't it? He paid them all. Well, that's according to the riches of his grace. My grace, grace, wondrous grace, wondrous grace, wherein he hath bounded toward us in all wisdom and prudence, having made known unto us the mystery of his will, according to his good pleasure, it pleased him, which he hath purposed in himself, that in the dispensation of the fullness of times he might gather together in one all things in Christ, both which are in heaven and which are in earth, even in him, in whom also we have obtained an inheritance. And we looked at that inheritance this morning. What an inheritance we have in Christ. And it's undefiled and uncorruptible and fadeth not away. My goodness. Being predestinated according to the purpose of him who worketh all things after the counsel of his own will. Do you notice do you notice something in what we're reading here? It's all according to God's will. Man boasts about his own supposed free will. Our our will is bound to our nature, beloved. Oh my. If we're dead and if we're dead in sin, we, we have a dead nature dead nature and our will is bound to that nature. And if we're born again, then our then our, our will is bound to that nature. So if we're dead and trespass of sins, all we choose is sin. You don't have no free will. Your will is bound to your nature. But this is the only one who truly has free will, if you could say that, is God. He does whatever he pleases. He does whatever he pleases. That we should be to the praise of, the, of his glory who first trusted in Christ. Now as always, our hope, my hope, is that God would be glorified in the preaching of his word and that the Holy Spirit would illuminate the scriptures for us and teach us the things of Christ and and take our minds away for a time from the things of this world and the troubles of this world and the trials of our lives and, and, and grant us comfort and strength. Just as this letter probably strengthened the Ephesian believers when they saw this and read these wonderful truths. And may we be pointed to Christ and away from ourselves and our circumstances. I'd like us to look at the phrase in the text we just read. It's found in verse 9 there. It says, Heaven made known unto us the mystery of his will according to his good pleasure which he hath purposed in himself. According to his good pleasure 
which he hath purposed in himself. Verse 9. Having made known unto us the mystery of his will, according to his good pleasure, which he hath purposed in himself. Everything God does, beloved, everything God does, he does on purpose. He does on purpose. The text before us speaks of the forgiveness of sins that the believer has in Christ Jesus. And how that forgiveness is through the shedding of the precious blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. And through his death, we have the forgiveness of sins. And it's all according to the riches of his grace. And he did that on purpose. To redeem his people from their sins. This is wondrous. Wonderful tidings. Wonderful. And here we have before us mercy undeserved. Mercy undeserved. And it flows from the free grace of God in Christ. Through Christ to his people. And we don't seek it out. No matter what people say. There's none that seeketh God, the scripture says. We don't understand it unless he gives us seeing eyes and spiritual ears to hear. Because there's there's none that understand the scripture declares. There's none righteous, is there, in our own selves? But we who believe are made righteous by Christ. All according to the riches of his grace and his mercy. This is not undeserved. Unmerited. Undeserved. It's wonderful. It's absolutely wonderful. And we should always remember that the gospel has for its chief aim the glory of God. The glory of God. And if we regard salvation as a means only of lifting up our race from its fall and putting it among the princes, putting, putting those who are electing God among the princes, we've made a mistake because we should remember that God's glory, God's glory is the greater object of the gospel than our salvation. Even. Because what do we do? What do we do? We give God all the glory. We give him all the praise. Because he has has had mercy. And not just mercy, he's had abundant mercy upon we who believe, hasn't he? My. And and can you imagine the Ephesian readers, the the saints getting this letter? They would just be marveling in these precious truths, just as we do. Just as we do. And they probably read that letter again and again and again, just like we do. (laughs) Oh, my. And it's fresh all the time for them. Look at this. God chose me. God redeemed me by his precious blood. Praise his mighty name. My goodness. Oh, just fills the believer's heart with joy. Wherein he hath abounded toward us in all wisdom and prudence, having made known unto us the mystery of his will, according to his good pleasure, which he hath purposed in himself. Oh, my Notice God's wisdom and prudence is according to that which, which please God. Which please God. Wherein he hath abounded toward us in all wisdom and prudence, having made known unto us the mystery of his will, according to his good pleasure which he hath purposed in himself. What a great God. What a great God. So let's look at eight things revealed in the scriptures that are the good pleasure of God. Turn, if you would, to Colossians chapter 1. And this is how God abounded toward us in all wisdom and prudence. 
Number one, it pleased God to give all preeminence to the Lord Jesus Christ. It pleased God to do this. It pleased Him to give Christ all the preeminence, all the preeminence to His Son, and all fullness dwells in Him. All fullness dwells in Him. And the Lord Jesus Christ must have all the preeminence, beloved. He must. He must have all the preeminence. This must be the reason for all our service within the church. This must be the reason. The preeminence of Christ. The preeminence of the Lord Jesus Christ. We serve Him. We're His servants. We serve Him. Now, natural men, they want the preeminence. They want the glory. They want the glory and they want the preeminence. Look what I've done. Look what I can do. Religious folks, they want the preeminence. But the Bible says that Christ must have the preeminence. He must have it all. And it pleased God for it to be so. Look at Colossians chapter 1, verses 12 to 19. Giving thanks unto the Father, which hath made us meet to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in light. Now that meet there means to be qualified. We're qualified for heaven by Christ. Who hath delivered us from the power of darkness. That was our natural state. And if you're here lost, that's your natural state. You're under the power of darkness, whether you believe it or not. And every believer says, I was there. I was there. But we've been delivered, beloved. We've been set free. We've been redeemed. Who hath delivered us from the power of darkness and hath translated us into the kingdom of His dear Son, born again by the Holy Spirit of God. And look at this. In whom we have redemption through His blood. It's not a question. We have this wondrous redemption through His blood. Even the forgiveness of sins. Who is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of every creature? For by Him were all things created. The Creator Himself redeemed my soul. For by Him were all things created that are in heaven and that are on earth, visible and invisible, whether they be thrones or dominions or principalities or powers. All things were created by Him and for Him. He's absolutely sovereign. And He is before all things, and by Him all things consist. Now you think that. Let each one of us think here. Saved and lost. Let us each think here. We consist because God has mercy on us. We breathe air. Because God allows us to breathe air. And He can stop you breathing in a heartbeat. That's sobering. By Him all things consist. By Him. By Him. And He is the head of the body, the church, who is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in all things He might have the preeminence. It pleased God to to give Christ all the preeminence, beloved. It pleased God. For it pleased the Father that in Him should all fullness dwell. It pleased God. So we see it pleased God to give all preeminence to Christ, His Son, because all fullness dwells in Him. Next turn, if you would, to 1 Samuel chapter 12, verse 22. And we know, most of us know by heart, Ephesians 1, 4, which proclaims according as he has chosen us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before him in love. It pleased God to choose whom he would to be his people. 
It pleased God to choose whom he would to be his people. It pleased him to do that. Now the believer, this leaves us in awe that we were included in that number. Doesn't it? Now think of, think of how it would have been for our dear brothers and sisters in Ephesus too to get this letter. You're chosen in, you're chosen in Christ before the foundation of the world. My goodness, what joy that would be. And we know that they struggled again. They struggled just like we struggled. They went through things just like we go through things. And they'd be greatly comforted by these precious truths. Look at 1 Samuel chapter 12, verse 22. For the Lord will not forsake His people. 1 Samuel chapter 12, verse 22. For the Lord, and that, that's Jehovah, the self-existent one, the eternal one, will not forsake His people. 1 Samuel 12.22 For the Lord will not forsake His people for His great name's sake because it hath pleased the Lord to make you. Oh my goodness. Look at the, the believer looks at that and says to make you His people. It pleased God. Then turn back to our text in Ephesians chapter 1. When did, he, when did he choose us? When did, when did he do this? When did it please him to make us his people, beloved? Oh my. Look at this. According as he had chosen us in him, when? Before the foundation of the world. That we should be holy and without blame before him in love. Now keep in mind what we, what we read in in. in in 1 Samuel chapter 12, 22, because it hath pleased the Lord to make you his people. And then it says, according as he hath chosen us in him before the foundation of the world. All according to the, the good pleasure of his will. My. Oh, what, what comfort we can draw from this well. What comfort, beloved. We are rich in Christ. We're united to him by a bond of, living bond of faith. We're blessed in Christ. Because the Father hath chosen us in him before the foundation of the world. Why did God choose any unto eternal life? Was it because of any holiness in them or them, them exercising foreseen faith, as, as some would say? No, not at all, because there's none that seeketh after God. There's none that understandeth. There's none righteous. No, we were chosen in Christ before the foundation of the world. And we were chosen in Christ. Not because we were holy. No. No, we're unholy. No. My goodness, beloved. Look what the text says in Ephesians 1.4. We were chosen in Christ, not because we were holy, but chosen that we should be holy. Now that leaves us in awe. According as he has chosen us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before him in love. <laughs> Sanctified by the Holy Spirit of God. Sanctified by our mighty Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. Made holy in Christ. Sinners who could never stand in the presence of God on their own are made holy. <laughs> My goodness. And it's God who's chosen to be so. 
It's God who chose it to be so. That's what the scripture declares right there. My goodness. Salvation is in the hand of the Savior. The Lord Jesus Christ and grace comes only from him who said, I will be gracious to whom I'll be gracious. And I'll have mercy on whom I'll have mercy. And mercy is only received from him who said, he will be merciful. So that it pleased God to choose his people in Christ. What a precious truth to the believer. Turn, if you would, to Isaiah chapter 53. The third point is, it pleased God to bruise his son. It pleased God to bruise his son in the place of his people. This pleased God. Who hath believed our report? And to whom is the arm of the Lord revealed? For he shall grow up before him as a tender plant. And as a root of the dry ground, he hath no form nor comeliness. And when we shall see him, there is no beauty that we should desire him. So in our natural state, we see no beauty in Christ. But oh, when the Lord saves us, when we're regenerated, oh, we see is the beauty of Christ. <laughs> oh my What a Savior. He is despised and rejected of men. And that's all men. We all all despised him and rejected him. If not in our words and our actions. Before the Lord even saved us. A man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And we hid as it were our faces from him. He was despised and we esteemed him not. Surely he hath borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet we did esteem him stricken, smitten of God and afflicted. Oh, but he was wounded for our transgressions. The sinless one dying for sinners. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him. All our sins were laid upon the sinless one. And he paid everything God demanded. He was despised. The chastisement of our peace was upon him and with his stripes we are healed. We're we're forgiven by the precious blood of Christ. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned every one to his own way and the Lord hath laid on him the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed and was afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth. Why was he silent? Why was he the silent suffering Savior? Because he's our substitute, dying in the room and place of his people. My, spot is a lamb to the slaughter and as a sheep before his shears is dumb, so he openeth not his mouth. He was taken from prison and from judgment. And who shall declare his generation? For he was cut off out of the land of the living. For the transgression of my people, God says. Remember, those he chose. For the transgression of my people. Was he stricken? And he made his grave with the wicked and with the rich in his death. Because he had done no violence. Neither was any deceit in his mouth. And then look at verse 10. Yet it pleased the Lord. It pleased the Lord to bruise him. It pleased the Lord to bruise him. He hath put him to grief. 
when thou shalt make his soul an offering for sin. And the believer says, for my sin. He shall see his seed. He shall prolong his days. And the pleasure of the Lord shall prosper in his hands. It would please, it please the Lord to bruise the Lord Jesus. Please, please God to bruise the Lord Jesus Christ. This was ordained by God, beloved. That the sinless one would die in the room in place of sinners. The Lord is well pleased for his righteousness sake. He will magnify the law and make it honorable. Isaiah 42.21 And the Lord did that, didn't he? The Lord Jesus Christ magnified the law, didn't he? Made it honorable. If you want to write that down, it's Isaiah 42, verse 21. The Lord is well pleased for his righteousness sake. He will magnify the law and make it honorable. He fulfilled it all. The sinless one. So what, what, what great comfort these, these Ephesian saints would glean knowing knowing that it, it pleased God to choose them and then it pleased God to bruise Christ for them. Why? Does that not bring us comfort too? We who are the redeemed of the Lord? It brings us great comfort. For what the law could not do in that it was weak through the flesh... The law can never save anyone. God sent in His own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh, and for sin condemned sin in the flesh, that the righteousness of the law might be fulfilled in us, who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. Romans chapter 8, verses 3 and 4. So we see it pleased God to bruise His Son. It pleased God to do this. The substitutionary death of Christ was thoroughly and completely satisfying to the justice of God. For the sins of his people. Christ must die. The death of Christ satisfied the degree of the, the, the decree of the covenant of grace. The death of Christ satisfied the designs of the Father. The death of Christ satisfied the declarations of Scripture. The death of Christ satisfied the dictates of the law of God. The death of Christ satisfied the demands of divine justice. And the death of Christ satisfied the debts of all the elect of all the ages. And the death of Christ satisfies the distressed hearts of needy sinners. Oh, does it not satisfy our hearts, beloved? Makes our heart burn within us when we talk about the things of our wondrous Savior. The next point I'd like us to look at is it pleased God to raise Christ so that the pleasure, or so to, 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 it pleased God to raise Christ so that the pleasure of the Lord might continue to prosper in his hands. Now let's go back to Isaiah chapter 53. I'm sorry I had us move from there, but let's go back there and we'll look at the last three verses. Isaiah 53, verses 10 to 12. Yet it pleased the Lord to bruise him. He hath, he hath put him to grief. When thou shalt make his soul an offering for sin, he shall see his seed, he shall prolong his days, and the pleasure of the Lord shall prosper in his hands. The pleasure of the Lord shall prosper in his hands. It pleased God to raise Christ up so that the pleasure of the Lord might continue to prosper in his hands. He shall see the travail of his soul and shall be satisfied. God is absolutely satisfied with the sacrifice of Christ. By his knowledge shall my righteous servant justify many, for he shall bear their iniquities. Therefore will I divide him a portion with the great, and he shall divide the spoil with the strong, because he hath poured out his soul unto death, 
He was numbered with the transgressors, and he bare the sin of many and made intercession for the transgressors. And the pleasure of the Lord shall prosper in his hands. Salvation was put in the hands of Christ. Salvation for his people was put in the hands of Christ. And he undertook to accomplish that. He came into this world on a mission to redeem his people from their sins. And he never left until it was finished. And he cried with a loud voice, It is finished. The pleasure of the Lord shall prosper in his hands, beloved. And this may well be called the pleasure of the Lord. It was the good pleasure of God's will that Christ would come into this world to save his people. God had purposed it and Christ came and accomplished it. My, what a Savior. The next point I'd like us to look at is it pleased the Lord to use the preaching of the gospel to save his people. Turn, if you would, to 1 Corinthians chapter 1. 1 Corinthians chapter 1. First Corinthians chapter one. Let's start in verse twenty one. For after that, in the wisdom of God, the world by wisdom knew not God. It pleased God by the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. It pleased God by the foolishness of preaching to save his people. For the Jews require a sign, and the Greeks seek after wisdom. But we preach Christ crucified unto the Jews a stumbling block, and unto the Greeks foolishness. But unto them which are called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ the power of God and the wisdom of God. It pleased God by the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. Not by foolish preaching, but by that which men call foolishness. God in his infinite wisdom has raised up a number of philosophers at this time and of the writing of the book of 1 Corinthians. And a little bit before Christ came, he had rose up in his, in, in his, in his wisdom, a number of philosophers, supposed great minds of the earth, Yet these men with all their schools of thought knew not God. Now God allowed them to be raised up, didn't he? Because he's in control. But they did not know God. And you only have to study the history of the world at this time when Paul was writing to see that the world by wisdom knew not God. There was idols everywhere. Supposed man-based philosophy everywhere. But what's left of the wisdom of that period? Time itself has disproved it. The world with all its earthly wisdom failed to recognize God and to know God. But God in his wisdom was pleased to reveal himself and his salvation which is purchased and provided by Christ 
through the very means that the world calls foolishness. Preaching. Preaching. That a redeemed sinner would stand and proclaim the wondrous works of the Lord Jesus Christ. And a man cannot proclaim the things of Christ unless he knows the things of Christ, unless he's experienced the things of Christ. Folks often ask me, well, why aren't they preaching Christ over there? Because they don't know him. Because they don't know him. I can't tell you about a place I've never been. You can't tell me about a place you've never been. We may see pictures of it, may see things, but if you've been somewhere, you can tell me about it, can't you? Oh, yeah. And God's gospel preachers stand up and proclaim what Christ has done for us. And the world calls it foolishness. They call it absolute foolishness. Let them call it foolishness. It's wondrous for us who are redeemed. It's wondrous. The wise men of this world, during the time of the writing of 1 Corinthians, were left to perish in their sins. And the believers who were reading this were in awe. Were in awe at the wisdom of God. At the wisdom of God. Turn, if you would, to Romans chapter 1. Romans chapter 1. The very thing that these... Worldly philosophers despised, which was the preaching of the gospel, in which men still, which men still even today despise, has become the power of God unto salvation to all who believe. That's the preaching of Christ and Him crucified. Romans chapter 1, verses 14 to 17. I am a debtor both to the Greeks and to the barbarians, both to the wise and to the unwise. So as much as is in me, I am ready to preach the gospel to you that are at Rome also. Why? Because Paul's not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. Why? For it's the power of God and the salvation to everyone that believeth, to the Jew first and to the Greek. For therein is the righteousness of God revealed. Where is the righteousness of God revealed? In Christ, in the preaching of the gospel. Oh my. For therein is the righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith. As it is written, the just shall live by faith. Oh, the believer is not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. And it pleased God by the foolishness of preaching to save his people. The next point I'd like us to look at is it pleased God to hide the gospel from the wise and the prudent. Turn, if you would, to Matthew chapter 11. It pleased God to hide the gospel from the wise and the prudent while revealing it unto babes. Matthew 11, verses... 25 and 26. Matthew 11, verses 25 and 26. At, this, at that time, Jesus answered and said, I thank thee, O Father, Lord of heaven and earth, because thou hast hid these things from the wise and the prudent and revealed them unto babes. Even so, Father, for it so... For it's, so it seemed good in thy sight. It pleased God to reveal the gospel to his people and to hide it from others. This is amazing. So the believer who's had Christ revealed to them just stands in awe. Just stands in awe. The things there he means are the doctrines of the gospel. Those which pertain to himself, his person, as God and the Son of God. His office as Messiah, Redeemer, and Savior. The blessings of grace, righteousness, and salvation, which only come through him. 
They've been revealed to his people. Oh, it's wonderful. And he reveals these things. And this is God's distinguishing grace, beloved. Remember, Paul penned to the, 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 the uh, Corinthian believers, for who maketh thee to differ? For who maketh thee to differ? I ask you, you who are redeemed, who made you to differ? Who made you to differ from all the people you've known in your life? For who maketh thee to differ from another? What is thou that thou didst not receive? The salvation that we have, we've received it, haven't we? It was given to us. We, we couldn't earn it. We couldn't grab hold of it on our own by anything we do. It was given to us. What is thou that thou didst not receive? Now if thou didst receive it, why dost thou glory as if thou hadst not received it? Well, there obviously was some who were glorying in, in maybe something that they were doing or their own strength. Turn, if you would, to Galatians chapter 1. Galatians chapter 1. It pleased God to reveal himself to his people. Look at Galatians chapter 1. Look at this wonderful proclamation by Paul. Galatians chapter 1, verses 15 and 16. And may we who are redeemed stand in all of this. And, and, and if you're here without Christ, I pray, I heart, felt pray that God would reveal himself to you. I, I hope he will. I pray he will. Oh, that he would reveal himself to you in a saving manner. Because that's what he's done for us. That's what he's done for his people. That's what he's done for Paul. Look what Paul says here, Galatians chapter 1, verses 15 and 16. But when it pleased God who separated me from my mother's womb and called me by his grace to reveal his son in me. It pleased God to reveal Christ to Paul. And if you're a believer, let this just sink right in, beloved. It pleased God to reveal Christ to you. Oh my. If he had left us where we were, we would have perished in our sins. But it pleased God to reveal Christ to us because we were his people, remember? Chosen in Christ before the foundation of the world. To reveal his son to me, that I might preach him among the heathen. Immediately I conferred not with flesh and blood. So every believer can say, it pleased God to reveal Christ to me. To me. Please God to hide the gospel from the wise and prudent while we're revealing it to babes. Let's go back to our text in Ephesians chapter 1. It pleased God to gather all his elect in Christ. We're chosen in Christ and him alone. He's the head and we're the body. We're the sheep and he's the shepherd. And all God's people shall be gathered in. Here not lose one, beloved. Here not lose one for whom he died. And, here, and, and, and that means we saw this morning... He'll not lose one by them losing themselves. Hey, no, he keeps his people, doesn't he? Yeah, we're kept by the power of God, beloved. Oh, my. Oh, my. Look at Ephesians chapter 1, verses 8 to 10. Wherein he hath abounded toward us in all wisdom and prudence, 
having made known unto us the mystery of his will according to his good pleasure, which he hath purposed in himself, that in the dispensation of the fullness of times he might gather together in one all things in Christ, both which are in heaven and which are on earth, even in him. Here not lose one of his sheep, beloved. Not one. There be one flock and one shepherd. And it pleased God to gather all his people in Christ. Pleases them. Last point I'd like to look at is all God's elect shall know the abounding wisdom and prudence of God towards us fully because it's God's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Turn, if you would, to Luke chapter 12. Luke chapter 12, verse 32. Luke chapter 12. Luke chapter 12, we'll start in verse 31. But rather seek ye the kingdom of God, and all these things shall be added unto you. Fear not, little flock, for it is your Father's good pleasure, this is something that pleases God, to give you the kingdom. Remember that inheritance we looked at this morning? Please God to give you that inheritance, didn't it, if you're a believer. What says here? It's your Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Luther once wrote, All the empires of the earth are only so much meal for God's swine. But the treasure is for his children. The treasure is for his children. They may have less meal, but they shall have the eternal kingdom. They shall have the eternal kingdom. How blessed we are. If by faith we know that this is true. How blessed we are. How blessed we are. And notice something in the words here spoken of in Luke chapter 12 verse 32. Fear not little flock. For it is your father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. That means it's not by man's purchase. It's not by man's merit. But salvation is a gift of God's grace. It's not only a gift. It's a free gift. But it's wholly the result of God's good pleasure. For it is your Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. This people have I formed for myself. They shall show forth my praise. Isaiah 43, 21. Even so, Father, for it seemed good in thy sight. Oh my. It is your Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Oh, the abounding wisdom and prudence of God towards us. It is truly, truly beyond measure. Beyond comprehension. The pleasure of the Lord has and is and will continue to prosper in the Lord's hands as he draws in his lost sheep. May God be glorified through the preaching of his word.
Gracious Heavenly Father, we thank Thee again for allowing us to gather together in Thy name. Oh, the wondrous, precious truths of these scriptures. And we who are redeemed stand in awe that it pleased You to, say, to, to bruise our Savior. It pleased You to save us. It pleased You to choose us in Christ before the foundation of the world. May this never become old for us, Lord. May we ever have it before us and be in awe and wonder at thy magnificent grace, which has been manifestly bestowed upon us in Christ Jesus our Lord. It's right there before us. And, oh Lord, we pray you'd use the preaching of your word to draw on your lost sheep, break the hardened hearts, show them their desperate need for thee, we pray. And it's for your glory and honor and praise in Jesus' name. Amen.